This is the Ruminant Podcast. I'm Jordan Marr. The Ruminant is a website dedicated to sharing good ideas for farmers and gardeners. On the website, you'll find my podcast, the odd essay, book reviews, tool reviews, and user-submitted photos of their own farming and gardening practices. It's all at ruminantpod.com. I hope you'll check it out. All right, let's do a podcast. Matt Gomez and I'm the, the founder and the, the CEO of Soilmate.com. My background is actually fairly varied. Uh, I started in airport operations and ended up running an airport in the UK and then I traveled for a couple of years and found myself and found my now wife and that's how I ended up in Canada and since arriving in Canada I've been working um, for one of Canada's best digital marketing agencies heading up their, their strategy and sales and it was through that job that I discovered uh, that there was no effective online tool for finding farms, farmers markets, and to a lesser extent, but still one, um, wineries. So I quit my job, uh, got investment, and built out Soilmate.com. So I was asked to give this presentation on um, online marketing, which included websites, uh, blogs, social media, um, the full kind of gambit of, of options online, um, based on the fact that I, you know, I'm in charge of heading up, or I was in charge of heading up strategies for businesses from Fortune 500 companies to um, mum and pop operations. So I have a lot of experience in different scales of um, of marketing and also, you know, the, the kind of the, the big ROI pieces that come from that. Okay, so that's Matt Gomez. And in a few minutes, he's going to give a presentation on social media and online marketing uh, as applied to promoting your farm business. Matt gave that presentation just last weekend at a farmer, young farmer mixer that took place in Kelowna, BC. I was there, and Matt was there, and a bunch of young farmers were there, mainly uh, to see the main event on the Sunday, which was Jean-Martin Fortier was in town, the author of The Market Gardener and former guest on the podcast. He was there to, to give a five-hour presentation on all of his farm systems, and it was fantastic. But in addition to that, there was a there was a Saturday to the event and, and a, a, a number of different presentations and workshops that happened. One of them was Matt's, unfortunately for all of you. Another that happened at the same time was mine. And that's who you can see here in the background of, of uh, Matt's presentation in this episode today. I couldn't, I couldn't get all of, uh, I was able to reduce the levels for, for my voice on the other side of the room. Uh, but I couldn't, I couldn't eliminate it completely. So with apologies to all of you, although the, the sound quality is, is, is pretty good for, for, for what we were dealing with, which is one big echoey open room at this, at this conference. So what else is going on? Well, it's been extremely busy on the farm here, which, uh, and I'm sure that's the case for many of you, but I'm going to ask you all to bear with me. I have been relying a little bit on these recordings that I've made at a couple of different conferences I've been at recently. And uh, that's helped me get through a very intense week or two on the farm. Uh, you know, the, the spring came quickly here and I, I found myself a little bit behind. I'm putting long, long hours into uh, ca- catching up. So I do, I do think that's going to level off, folks, and, and then I should be able to get back to, to some live interviews uh, that, that are kind of the mainstay of the podcast. I have some interesting guests lined up, certainly. I just need to book those interviews. Another thing that I want to share with you all is that I just kind of had an idea the other day that I want to try out for the podcast here. You know, at heart, the Ruminant blog and the Ruminant podcast are all about sharing good ideas for farming and gardening. And so what I'd like to try doing is I'd like to invite all of you, anyone listening out there, to call in, to call my phone 
and 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 just share something that is working for you on your farm or in your garden or or in the context of farming and gardening, something you're doing really well or a success you've had. I think, you know, everyone has something that they can share with other people uh, because there's so many different effective ways of doing all the different tasks in the on the farm and and in the garden. So, I would like to invite listeners to phone in and leave a one to two minute message on on my voicemail i don't know how much uh space each voicemail allows from my from my phone number and i'm going to be working on setting up a proper call-in of some type where people can 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 go online and call and leave a proper message but for now aim to leave one to one to two minute message where you you share with me and and eventually all all of the listeners of the ruminant podcast uh, something that you think that they should know about that that's working for you in your context so if you think you'd like to leave me a message that I could share on the podcast, then please call 250-767-6636 and leave a message. And then I will put that onto the computer and clean it up a bit to the extent that it needs it. And I'll put it in a future episode. Thanks a lot. Anyway, today's episode is on online marketing for your farm business. It's presented by Matt. I think he did a great job. He's very knowledgeable on the subject, and actually, I'm very excited for Soilmate.com, Matt's new tech startup that I think is going to be incredible for local food security and for helping to connect farmers with their customers. So do check that out, because I really think it's worth looking at. I've got a, I've got a profile up there, and a number of my colleagues in, in the Valley now do. Uh, but wherever you are, Matt's planning to 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 build a community around around connecting, um, you know, growers and farmers and and their customers, you know, all over North America. So so if you're listening from anywhere in North America, certainly go to Soilmate.com and check it out. You can set up a profile really really easily. It's free, and I won't say anything else because uh, Matt talks a little bit about it at the end of his presentation. So anyway, here we go. I hope you enjoy, and I will talk to you on the other side. So hey everyone, um, yeah, I'm Matt. So my business is actually Soilmate, and I'll talk about that a little bit later on as one of the avenues you guys can use online. But what I'll talk about today mostly is kind of the, the basic elements that you can have from an online marketing point of view. Um, so things like websites, uh, search marketing, um, social media, email, all of those sort of pieces. Talk about what they are, the pros and cons of them, some of the tools you can use, some of the cost-effective ways to do it, how you can see ROI from them, so work out whether it's worth doing. And I'll be fairly broad, um, but if you have specific questions, just ask. With online stuff, there's always a really uh, a big kind of um, difference in people's kind of level of knowledge and, and what they do and don't know. So I'm going to be fairly broad and kind of high level on this, but if you want to ask a specific question, just bring it up. So one of the things I have done for this is my presentation, I don't usually do too many PowerPoints, so they're really text heavy, so I've put stupid pictures on them. Um, so because it's, because it's an online workshop, they're internet memes related to farming, okay? So I didn't make them, so don't shoot me for them. Um, so yeah, so what I'm gonna cover is websites, blogs, because um, they're two different things. They're often kind of the same thing, but they are technically two different things. Uh, SEM, which is search engine marketing, so where you rank in Google. Um, Google Maps and Places and the importance of that. Email marketing, social media, directories and partnerships, and then 
a key bit that everyone forgets, and not just farmers, but all businesses is the metrics and the analytics. So why the hell are you spending time or money doing this thing? Um, so, websites. Do all of you have a website so far? You do? Brand new one. Okay. And do you have Google Analytics on it? <laughs> okay, you have it, good. Yeah, and it is. It's very creepy. Um, so most, pe most businesses, farms not excluded from that, need websites nowadays. Um, it's just determining what the purpose of the website is in itself. So there are actually lots of businesses that now have just a Facebook page or a, some even have a, just an Instagram account. But generally a website is a good thing to have, especially as there's so many free options now. Um, the, the key thing is to determine what the purpose of it is. So if it's literally just to say, hey, I exist, I'm here, and I sell at the farmer's market, you know, you don't need to invest much time or money in doing that. You just want to have something that looks okay. If you're selling CSAs, if you're you know, trying to promote product through the site, then maybe you want to have a little bit of an e-commerce engine in there, market it in a slightly different way. But the key is determining the purpose. So when you're deciding on how you should have your website, just think about what's the point of it. Right? And don't think you have to have pages and pages of content and loads of detail and have loads of pictures and all that sort of stuff necessarily. Um, now for, for, for what you guys do and all the other pieces that you'll use, it, it should be fairly basic. So if you don't have one or you want to have a new looking site, um, there's some free platforms. So Wix, Wix.com, W-I-X.com, uh, Weebly, W-E-E-B-L-Y.com and Squarespace are another one that do like a free kind of template build site and then you can upgrade to get one without ads and things. Um, that's a good way to get a really good looking or an okay looking site for pretty much nothing, You just your time. Some of the other things you can do, and I kind of talked to Jed about it a little bit, is um, if you have an existing website on a platform such as, this might mean something to some people and not to others, like WordPress, so existing um, content management systems, Sites like Theme Forest, where you can buy really like high-level looking themes for like 30 bucks, and you literally just plug them into your site. And then you have a really great looking site that works pretty good, that you can update yourself. Um, so they're good ways to do it. One of the things to consider right now as well is um, mobile. So most people, or very high percentage of people now search and use their phones exclusively for internet. Um, so the technology that's used for that is a thing called responsive design. So it means that you don't have to have a separate site that's built for a cell phone. Um, your site literally shifts. So if it was three columns on a computer, as you go to a tablet, it shifts to two columns and one underneath. And as you go to a cell phone, it shifts to like three in a row. That's deemed really good by Google. So if you want to actually rank in Google um, for your farm or for some of your produce, having a responsive site is a good thing to do. Um, and then the metric side of it, I'll go into it in a bit more detail, but if you don't have it currently, and if you're investing any money in your website, you should put Google Analytics onto your site. So it's a free, it's a free program from Google. It's one of their products. Um, so to get it, you just create a Google account and, and you just turn it on. They'll give you a snippet of code that you just have to then put into your website. But that'll tell you who found your site, um, where they came from, how long they spent, the stuff they looked at, what they did, all of that sort of stuff. So if you are then investing any time and money in other sources of marketing, you can actually see if they're working or not. So let's say you decided to pay for an ad somewhere. You can see exactly how many people came from that ad. So should I continue with that ad. <laughs> um, if you're doing social media work and you want to see how many people actually found your site and found your stuff through social media, you can do that as well. And you can also see the search terms that people came in. So um, 
maybe it's for, for Claremont, maybe it was Organic Farm Kelowna and you found that people actually came from that and you got contact forms or you got people ordering and stuff. So maybe you should invest time and money in making sure you're always showing for that term, right? So you can really assess the, the value of any sort of marketing you're doing because online everything's trackable. Um, if people tell you it isn't, it's because they're trying to hide <laughs> the truth from you, basically. So, so that's kind of the, the brief overview on a website. Now a blog. Blogs used to be kind of completely separate to websites. So you'd have a website and then you'd have a separate blog. Um, maybe it'd be a Tumblr blog or something along those lines. Um, now what, they, what you do is you, you should typically integrate your blog into your website. That happens with most website platforms anyway. But the reason for doing that is, is twofold. So a blog is good because it's a place where you can update general content fairly regularly. It shouldn't be all about perfection. It's, a, it's generally acknowledged to be a fairly informal um, way of communicating. But where it's really helpful for your for your site is a it's telling your story and it's fresh and um, people are, you know they're becoming far more aware from a consumer point of view about knowing who their farmer is and wanting to know the story. So it's a good way to keep people updated on that. But from the other side, from just the pure business side, Google is looking for fresh content on your websites all the time um, to help rank you. So by having your blog in your website, you're constantly if you're writing a blog, you're you're creating new fresh content within your site. If you have Facebook yep. on your website, yep. is that new content on Google? Yeah or no. Facebook helps from a Google perspective. There'll be some people that say that it doesn't. From all of our hundreds of clients previously, we found that it, it does. So it does help, but it wouldn't be it in itself. Yeah. It, it, might, it might be how it's installed. Do you have a... on a, like a, Okay. the first one yeah, platforms like Wix and that, they're free, but they, they're free, right? So it's, yeah. Um, but that's, that's blogs. So if you have the time, they're really good ways of doing it. But the blogs are typically written, right? Um, you can put some images and stuff in there as well. Things like Instagram and stuff like that, which I'll get to, are kind of replacing blogs in a way because they're far more, for, for you guys especially, they're easier. You're out in the field. It's, it's nothing to really take a photo, put a filter on it so it looks decent and, and kind of post it. So you can do things like where you can feed in things like your Instagram feeds and stuff into your websites as well. Um, but they wouldn't help necessarily from a Google point of view, but they would help from an aesthetics and story in your site. Kind of but for Google, it's only the blog. It's not only the blog, it's, it's content though. So it's, it's written content that's unique to that page. So if the blog is in your site, then that content is associated with your site. But Google, well, that leads perfectly into Google, I guess then. So SEM, which is search engine marketing. So when Google's ranking a site, it's ranking about 300 different factors. So it's everything from um, the coding of your site. So if you have a really old site with kind of junky coding, it only indexes so far, they call it indexing when it goes through the site. It only indexes so far before it says, fuck this, like there's, you know, this is terrible and it leaves. So even if you had pages and pages and pages of content, it wouldn't even reach those. Um, page titles and headers, the content itself, the linking, so the linking out of your site and the linking into your site. So if there's um, other blogs that talk about your site or news articles or other directories and things that link into your site and they have a good ranking themselves, that helps your ranking. So a smart thing might, to do, might be to do across kind of groups of farmers is find other complementary farms and interlink between them and, and have a little place on your page that says, hey, you know, we do this, this, and this, but if you're looking for this, this farm's great, and a little bit kind of a blurb around that.
How do you, do you have a suggestion on a strategy to identify keywords? Yep, so Google has a tool called the Keyword Tool. Um, it's, well, it's actually part of AdWords now. So if you create a Google account in general and you have analytics, you can find out from Google traffic volume on search terms. So if you want to see how many people are searching for Kelowna CSA, they might be able to tell you that. When it gets ultra granular and ultra local, they often don't give the number. Um, but you can get a sense, right? You can get a sense, and, and sometimes they do in a local market. Um, but like whenever I used to do strategies for companies, it was always looking through those tools to see where the opportunity is, where the search volume is. And then what you can start to do is if you know that certain people are looking for certain things, you can tailor the messaging on your website to match those search terms. So if someone's looking for, a, I don't know, what would be an example? So let's say it's a, it's a UPIC term. And UPIC's one part of your operation, but you know that people are coming in through Google Analytics, that you rank on UPIC and that they're coming in you make sure that front and center you have a piece of content around you pick. So they don't come and then be like, oh, I think I've got the wrong site, right? Um, and yeah, and uh, so everything, again, is trackable with metrics. So I, I can't express enough the importance if you're gonna do any sort of online marketing is to use something like Google Analytics. Um, it's free, it's very powerful, um, tells you pretty much everything. You don't have to be in it every day, I'm not suggesting that at all, but, but look at it. Time to time, look at it, and especially if you're investing any money in marketing, look at it. Um, and then maps, so Google has maps now. Um, they're not the greatest for farms because the, the pins don't often rep represent where a farm store is or things like that. Um, but Google ranks companies that, companies, businesses that have a Google Plus page and a Google local page very well. So uh, I'll get to that slide actually, it's the next one. Um, but what you should do is, so Google, whether you like them as a company or not, I personally don't, um, but as a company or not, regardless, they are the search engine that pretty much everyone uses in North America. Bing has a little bit of market share, Yahoo has a little bit of market share, but it's mostly Google. So unfortunately, if you want to be found in Google, you have to kind of worship at the order of Google a little. So the ways that you do that is by having a Google Plus page for your business. You don't have to really do anything on it, and if you're using some of the other tools for social media, which I'll get to, like Hootsuite and stuff, you can, you can just put that into the mix and it's not any extra work. Very few people use Google Plus outside of kind of the tech community. A bunch of tech guys use it, um, but it's kind of crappy. But what it does do is it helps you rank um, because it's a Google product. Yep. Yep. You, you, you should, yeah. But what you can do is you can tie that in with the other social media platforms, yeah. So, yeah. So there's a program called Hootsuite, which is a really famous one, um, started by a guy from Kelowna. Um, there's, yeah. Oh, Vernon. Sorry. Yes. Oh dear. <laughs> I made a faux pas there <laughs> from the Okanagan. <laughs> um, Sprout Social. Yeah. Hey. Um, Sprout Social is another one. Um, there's, there's a few of them to be honest and what they are is that they're, they're aggregators for social media so you can a you can schedule your posts which you can do on all those platforms individually but you can schedule them all in one place and you can post to all of them at once so you you know you take a photo you put it there you put a comment um, you know you can pre-plan so if you've written some content you can schedule it so you can be out in the field and it's happening but it will send it everywhere so you get coverage so you're active in all those platforms um, yeah so I would recommend 
fairly strongly a, a Google Plus page um, and a, go, a Google local listing as well. So if you go to google.com forward slash local, that's the map listing. Yeah, yep, that's right. Yeah, and YouTube is a really powerful piece as well. And it ranks really well as well. Again, a Google product, right? So. There you go. <laughs> Um, and one of the things I did mention on the on the Google plus, uh, on the Google ranking side of things is PPC. So PPC is called is pay per click. You might have heard it referred to as CPC, so cost per click as well. It's basically where you, whenever you do a Google search, typically there'll be some sponsored ads at the top. It's usually the top three, and then if there's more than three, they'll go down the side of the page. Google does a better job now of distinguishing them as sponsored, so ads. Um, and the way that they practically work is that you pick the keywords that you want to show ads on, you put, place a bid on them and Google tells you the sort of bid you should make. Um, and if more people are bidding on them, then the price is higher and if less people, the price is lower. And then you pay per click. So every time someone clicks on that link, um, you pay Google. And it could be five cents, it could be five bucks. Depends on what the term is. And that, like you know going in what it is, um, but it ranges depending on the term can be very powerful if it's a term that isn't very, um, doesn't have much, very high bids uh, and your site converts well. So, you know, if you're, if you're talking about Kelowna CSAs, you make sure that when they come in on that link, they're coming straight into the CSA offerings and the way to buy and all of that sort of stuff. Um, so it's, it's, it has a cost and it has a cost per click. So if your site doesn't convert, then it can get pretty pricey. But the beauty of it is that you can set limits. So it's actually a good way to test sometimes to say, okay, you know what, I'll throw a hundred bucks at it and I'll, I'll try this. And then you can see it either works or it doesn't. And then you turn it off or you turn it on, right? So it's a, it's a fairly low risk. You can kind of manage your risk on it, but it does take a bit of management and you have to pick your terms and all that sort of stuff. So it's helpful if you have some really specific offering that you want to show for um, or that no one's marketing well for some of the generic things that you do as well. Do you see, do you see farmers doing that with CSAs? Potentially, yeah, potentially. My, my business hopes to solve that for farmers, but yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah but yeah, for, for sure in the short term, yeah. I think it's a smart thing to do for CSAs. Yeah. And again, it's a test, right? Especially for a CSA, you're not running that, you're not trying to subscribe people all year. So for a very limited window, you know, from a spend point of view, it's maybe a more effective spend than, because you're instantly top of Google. That's, that's the thing, right? You're, you're paying to be top of Google. And if no one clicks, then you don't pay anything. So the risk is... Yeah, you set geographical limits. You can set all sorts of limits. You know, demographic style limits. Yeah. Yeah, you can have it narrowed to an area or you could just have it that it's always Okanagan CSA or Kelowna CSA. Like, there's a few ways you can do it. Correct, yeah, so when you sign up for a lot of this stuff, um, you'll get a hundred, yeah, that's a really good point. There's a hundred dollar gift card that most of them do. That's right, yeah, that's it. So Google gives you a hundred dollar intro, so. Uh, Whenever you sign up for that pay-per-click Yeah, so when you sign up, usually they'll send you a, a gift card for a hundred bucks. And, it, and I would just yes, say, don't sign up unless you get yeah, I would, I would just Google it, Google the Google credit. <laughs> and uh, yeah, hundred bucks is usually the, the top whack they do. Um, so, and am I going too fast here or is this okay, it's just a, okay. So email marketing, so email marketing was really popular for a while and then it became really annoying for everyone and didn't work for the longest time and now it actually works again. 
Um, so we see that across email marketing. Yeah. Sorry, I mumble really bad. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's it's actually really popular again. So one of the things that you should all be doing is trying to build up email lists of your of your customers. Um, it's easier if you're doing things like CSAs because you're getting signups online and bits and pieces like that. But in general, try and capture that data and then you can start to blast out to them. So, you know, if something's in season, boom, let them know and give them a recipe around it. If you're trying to promote something, like, let them know. Um, email marketing is, again, really popular. And for content ideas, if you're writing things like blogs, do you know what? Put your latest blog article in the email. Um, or a snippet of it, like an intro, and then if you want to read the rest, click here and it sends you through to the site and then you got them on your site again and you can maybe convert them in that way. Um, so practically the way to do emails is through, there's, there's programs like MailChimp is a, is a really popular and easy one to use. Constant Contacts are kind of old. It's okay, it's okay. They can get, generally like MailChimp's not too bad if you're, if you're I think it's actually free up to a certain number, yeah. And I'd be surprised if you guys reach that number. You're doing, it's worth paying if you get to that number. Um, but they're good because they have some standardized kind of templates and bits and pieces like that. And some of the other things you can do is because they allow you to put HTML templates. So HTML is just the code in of the design. You can use sites like Fiverr, which I don't know if you've ever heard of. So F-I-V-E-R-R.com. So Fiverr.com is a site where people across the world will do will sell something for five bucks but it's usually a digital product so you'll have people that would say hey I'll get you a thousand likes on Facebook for five bucks um, they'll all come from Turkey and they'll disappear within a few weeks but they can maybe give you a bit of reputability for a very short <laughs> window um, they don't they're not looked on too well by Facebook but uh, you can do all sorts of things. You can get women in Russia to pose with a bikini and a sign with your logo on. Like it's, it's, it's like it's terrible. It's it's really exploited the site. But 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 these people are promote. They're pu push, putting their products up. So they're I say they're being exploited. They're they're choosing to offer this right. Um, but through that you can get things like email templates. You can even get people to kind of build your website for you and and a, and a few bits and pieces like that. So there are some fairly cost effective ways of doing that. Um, but yeah, but email marketing is really, really powerful now. Do you have any suggestions on a, like, a YouTube link or a website on how I can learn MailChimp better? Like, I want to learn how to do drip feeds and stuff. So right. when somebody signs up, they get immediately signed up for drip. Yeah. And everybody's on their own timeline. Like, how do I learn to do that shit? I, I would just Google it, to be honest. Like, and who's... Oh, uh, I have, but I... And you couldn't find it? Not really. They likely, ha I would imagine that they would have it. Like Hootsuite does a really good job with their university of teaching you how to do bits and pieces. Oh yeah. I would imagine Mailchimp has the same thing. Um, yeah. I honestly like I don't dig in that deep. Like I'm the guy that says, okay, this is what you should be doing, and then I have my team of developers do it, right? Um, so, but yeah, I would imagine they would have in their resources. And that's one thing with Hootsuite is. Hootsuite has Hootsuite University, so if you want to just do some research on social media tactics and stuff, it's a good thing to look at as well. You pay a monthly subscription, um, but you can watch all of them in a month, and then you cancel your subscription. So, yeah, and I think they have a free trial as well. When you buy it as well, but if you, but even if you don't buy, I think you can get a free trial for thirty days or. Yeah. So when you get really advanced, like you have a decent list, you ask them. So you, you give your 
your list, actually the option to say how often would you like to be mailed? Would it be monthly, twice weekly? Is it on specific products? So you can start to get really sophisticated with it. In general, I would say if you have something to tell them, every two weeks is probably okay. If you don't have much, maybe monthly. But again, you're seasonal, right? So you could do it every two weeks during the summer. And outside of that, you can just kind of send them maybe a, a monthly or you know every couple of months through the winter just to remind them that you exist and that you were their guy and all of that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, it's, I would say at least monthly because um, you're trying to keep top of mind without being annoying. Um, but if you've got stuff of value to share, I would do it quicker than that. What was the names again of the two tools you mentioned? For email? So MailChimp and Constant Contact. But there's, I mean, there's most web technology, there's hundreds of different options out there. They're two of the kind of the bigger ones. MailChimp is a, is a, pretty, good, a pretty good product. Um, so social media. So social media is, can be really, really good. It can be really powerful. Um, really helpful, there's lots of platforms, so most of you will know Facebook, most of you will have heard of Twitter, maybe you use it, um, I personally don't like it, but, but it has value, um, Instagram, Pinterest now, um, depending on what you're selling, um, LinkedIn doesn't really apply to you guys, they're, they're kind of the, and, and YouTube, they're, they're really the, kind of the main ones, there's a lot of kind of more obscure ones, and I don't mention Google Plus in that list, because you should have a Google Plus page, but I don't think it's going to generate you any business other than getting you ranked in Google. Um, now, there's platforms that help you manage all of those. So, so we keep talking about Hootsuite, I mentioned Sprout Social, they're great systems for plugging in lots of different accounts and just sharing the same content. Some of those platforms though will also do that for you. So Instagram, when you take a picture with Instagram, you can share it to your other platforms as well. So you don't have to necessarily have this third party tool that does it. The benefit of that is that you can schedule stuff, you can, like, it, it's, a, it's a really powerful thing. The biggest recommendation I can make around social media though is you have to use it. If you're gonna do it, you have to do it. So if you have a profile and you never update it, or you occasionally do something with it, it's, it's better to not have anything because it looks really kind of crappy. Um, and then your competitors or the other farms that are also looking for the same sort of business um, that do update it will look infinitely better than, you know, than if you have nothing. So I have to kind of really hammer that home and that applies across all businesses, but like you have to do it if you're gonna do it. So it's a commitment, but there's certain platforms that make it really freaking easy. So Instagram is the big one and you tie that with your Facebook account and you only ever post pictures and it's fine. And that happens out in the field, you take the picture, <laughs> you write a caption, you post it, you share it on Facebook in that same action. And, it's, and Twitter. It's and Twitter, yeah. yeah like, like it's, it, it's. You're basically hitting all yeah. of the Is LinkedIn really that real? Yeah. For you guys. Yeah, it, I'll leave that one up to you guys. I personally wouldn't bother with LinkedIn. But again, it's that whole thing. If you're already just posting it, it's another place you can post it. Um, yeah, I won't make a judgment for you guys on LinkedIn. I, I don't know enough from a from a farmer's perspective if it would be effective. It would depend on your business. Like if you were doing a permaculture consultancy yes. and you finished working on a big job and you took one photo on Instagram, put in a 140 character caption for Twitter, then you, and you wanted to show it as part of your professional portfolio for the service that you're offering, mm -hmm. then you can also stick it up on 
LinkedIn at the same time. And you can throw it up on Flickr. It's like you've got yeah. all of these different platforms. You just take one photo, you write one caption, and you're spreading it out over all that surface area. So it's just about using it when you need it. Like, okay, this is a LinkedIn update on this, this professional project that I've done. I'm going to put it out there. But maybe not for your regular CSA, or it you know, might be if you're also offering landscaping services or whatever. Thanks, okay, so directories and partnerships. Um, so what exists right now, and this is where I'll talk a little bit about what I'm doing as well. So um, right now there's, there's a bunch of regional directories across, across North America. So there's a few within the Okanagan Valley. So Buy Local, Buy Fresh, I think, is, is the name of one of them. They all have very similar names with regards to kind of local food and stuff. So they exist. They're either free or very low cost to be in, so I would recommend that you get in them, um, especially if they're free, because it's just another place for exposure and it's also another link point into your site. So they have value. One of the good ways to do this as well is to search your product. So f search for, okay, Kelowna Farm and see what actually comes up. And if there's directories that are listed within that search result, get in that directory. Like it's, it's just looking, thinking from the consumer point, okay, well, if I was trying to find what I'm selling, how would I find it and trying it and seeing who's there. So there may well be directories that you can leverage from that. Um, from a partnership point of view, it's that cross-promotion. So if you do all the veggies and this guy does all the fruit, put each other together or there's meat or whatever those things are, um, you can start to cross-promote across each other. So you're leveraging all the work that each other have done and you're providing links as well between from a kind of a Google point of view, building a little network. Um, so that's helpful as well. Um, the one I'll mention as well is Soilmate, so that's what, what I've built and what that is is taking the idea of a local directory but applying it across North America. So um, right now if you want to find who grew what, how they grow it, where they, um, where they are, how, when it's available and how you can buy it and even buy it through the site direct from the farmer, there's not really an effective way to do that right now. So I've built a system that does that. Um, so the intention is that it will be the TripAdvisor or the Urban Spoon but for local food. So the directory is free for farms, um, so you can have a profile, it's there, it's going to be marketed across North America. Um, so the, the premise is that locally people will buy their groceries by sourcing them from local farms because they'll now know what they can get and when they can get it and how they can buy it. But the intention is that also then when you go and rent a cottage in Ontario or you go down to California or the island and you want to find what's available locally, you can do that as well through the same site. So. Um, I would implore you all to join soilmate.com next week. <laughs> do you think with, with all, so you think that there are partnerships, partnerships in the directories of engineers, my, my, Honestly, my opinion is that if they're free and they have some coverage, then for the sake of just sending over a blurb to them, you should probably go in them. If you have to pay for it, then you should really look at what the return is. So how much traffic would you get? Like, what's the average readership? All of those sort of things. So whether that's a print or an online piece, um, I would say that if they're free and they have visibility, then, because like separating my platform from this for a second, most of them are literally just a blurb. You kind of talk a little bit about what you're doing and you put a website address. Like that, it's nothing for you to get on them. So. Yeah, I'm not here saying don't go on anything else and go on no, mine. No, I would, I would do it. To the other directories, no. no. The soilmate is intended to be the the directory. Yeah. 
Um, but what you can do in it is, the way that the system practically works is it goes in, so as a farm you create a profile, um, you specify the crops that you, you grow or sell. So if you sell crops you didn't grow, you can put them in as well. You just have to state that you didn't grow them. And then you associate the harvest dates with them. So it's not a daily availability, it's just a period in which they're available. Um, you can then do other things. You can feed your blogs in there. You can feed your social media into there. You can sell your CSAs through the site and there's a back end for you to manage your CSAs. You can sell individual products for pickup, for delivery, for drop off at the farmer's market. Um, so you can say on there, like, I'm going to have a bunch of beads at this day at, and you can come to the farmer's market to get them? No, nope. the way it would work is that you would have a profile and you would say, okay, I grow beets and they're available between these dates, but if you want to buy my beets in advance, you can buy a, a bunch and they're three bucks and you select the fulfillment and you as a farmer specify how they're fulfilled. So you can say, you know what, I'll deliver for 20 bucks within the Okanagan, but if you want to pick them up at the farmer's market from me, you order by Thursday, you've got two weeks to get them. If you don't pick them up, they go to the food bank. Like you can specify exactly how you'll fulfill. Um, so the intention is, from a consumer point of view, is for me, I, I would like to exclusively buy my produce from farms. But I'm busy, I have two young kids, and if I go to the farmer's market by say nine, I don't get eggs, let alone some of the other things, right? So the ability for me to be able to order that by Thursday and be like, okay, and then I literally just run in and grab it, it's actually easier for me than the grocery so store. So you prepaid? I prepaid. Yeah. So the farmer has no risk. So is that why you, you take a cut of that? Three and a half percent. So if you were to process that yourself, it would be about three. If you use in square, it would be 2.75. Um, but it's, the monetization doesn't come from farmers. Um, doesn't come from markets. Doesn't come from wineries even. You can buy wine through the site as well. Um, right now, if you, if you produce it in your farm, yeah. Yes. Okay. But we don't have artisan crafts or any of that no. sort of stuff um, within the system. But if it's part of your farm, the intention is that you sell your story, and we sell the we sell to the customers that if you want to find who your local guys are, you come here, and they're all here, and you can field a buy. And the way that it works is, as a consumer, you come in, it knows where you are through your IP address, through your browser, or through GPS if you're on your phone and stuff, and then it pulls all the farms, markets, and wineries within a hundred mile radius of you. And then what you can do is you can start to filter down by things. So um, it then pulls all of the crops that are available and meat and dairy within a hundred mile radius. So as a consumer, if you're looking for something specific, you can find out who has it. And also if you're just looking to see what the hell is available in my area, you can find all that out. And then if you're a farm that does farm gate sales, you can specify that so you can have your opening times and all of that within the system. And then consumers can build routes so they can add the farms that they like to a route builder along with wineries. So if you're a farm that sells direct to the public, you can actually start to leverage wine tours in this region. Um, and then it will give you an itinerary, map, directions for walking, cycling, um, driving, all on your cell phone and your computer. So it's, it's pretty... It's, is, is it user um, updated? So like people, just like an eBay, if somebody, if some farm, some farmer flakes out, somebody pays to come and pick up 30 pounds of beets, right. and the farmer flakes out. So the, the consumers can, can write reviews on farms reviews, markets. Yeah. Yeah. We have a procedure in place though that they all come through Soilmate first. So what we do is we actually, if we get a bad review, we contact the farmer, tell them what it is, help them form a response yeah. and post them together. So Integrity will post it, but we won't just have a bad review floating out there. Right. Um, and what we do is we actually act as the payment gateway for the farmers. So we take the payment. The, pro, the order goes through, two weeks later we cut you a check, do a bank transfer, whatever that, you know, whatever your preferred payment so method is. So potentially if the farmer flaked out, they, might, they wouldn't get paid? Correct. Yeah. But, 
but we would go through the process yeah. with them to figure so out if that really you happened. charge 3.5 yeah. how much do you make considering that you process this credit card also? about 0.3 to start Three. to start the intention isn't to make money off of farmers what you have to remember though is <coughs> but for you about here's for yeah. you because I'm, I'm trying to figure out so we have advertising on the side yeah and so there's, there's two things that, that come into play here. First, there's volume, right? Yeah. So we're not an Okanagan directory. We're a North American directory. The intention is to be up to hundreds of thousands of farms. Even in Tibet? Uh, if they want to. In French? <laughs> if, yeah, it's already multilingual, yeah. yeah. And we're adding in Spanish as well. What do you mean if they want to? Well, if, they, if they want to sell through the site. Yeah, if the farmers want to, because we don't scrape data, we don't just pull in farms' data. Farms have to opt into the system, and there's also an accountability thing for farms. So it's it's, it's a new system for them, in that during the the season, if they don't log in once a month to verify their dates are correct, then their hit profile gets hidden. So there's actually a requirement as well. So it's free for you guys. Like the only point in which you would ever pay anything is if you sell something. Um, but at the same time, you have to be accountable to the data in there because we'll be sending people to you. Um, so, so that's the system. But yeah, we have advertising, but the advertising doesn't feed in from an ad network. We actually find companies that match our values, so they have to have some sort of community engagement, some sort of sustainability and environmental piece. So Today I learned I don't need anything to live on except for a little old you. I've met a whole army of Okay, so that's that's the end of today's episode. I hope you enjoyed that, folks. And I want to recommend you go and check out SoilMate.com and see what Matt's got going on over there. Uh, if you need a, something to look at while you're there, why don't you look up my farm's profile? You can uh, email me at editor at theruminant.ca and let me know what you think. The Homestead Farm, you should be able to find it there somewhere. And I have nothing else to say except that after spending a few episodes goofing around with uh, some of my lady gals songs at the end of the episode here i thought of a song she wrote a couple years ago that's kind of about farming and i thought that would be a nice permanent outro for this podcast at least for now so thanks a lot vanessa thanks for recording it with me and uh i hope all of you enjoy it okay until next time see you see you later trying to bleed us dry we could be happy with life in the country with salt on our skin and the dirt on our hands i've been doing a lot of thinking some real soul searching and here's my final resolve I don't need a big old house or some fancy car to keep my love going strong. So we'll run right out into the wilds and graces. We'll keep close quarters with gentle faces and live next door to the birds and the bees and live life like it was meant to be. <laughs>